blood. It's <laughs> horrible, wasn't it? <laughs> Hello, everyone, Beampod friends and lovers. Oh, fancy. Fancy. Mm, I fancy all our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I'm Paul Rose. I'm here with my wife, Sanya, and we are discussing Happiness is the Road some more. Yes, yes. volume one. Volume one. Last week's episode went into slightly deeper places than we were anticipating, didn't it? It did, didn't it? Yes, and we received some lovely letters from people. We did, yes. And messages, which were all appreciated, even if I haven't got around to replying and things since then. Hmm. Yes. Sorry, I've just sat down. We've gone straight into it. I haven't caught my breath. (laughs) Oh, okay. Here, take a moment to catch your breath. That's better. (sighs) Last week as well, we started the episode with like 15 minutes of just waffle. Did we? I think we did, yeah. What is going on with us? Since when do we waffle? <laughs> What's happened to us? Meatloaf podcast. But it's weird uh, because the, the, we only recorded the episode a few days ago. So yeah. we're kind of doing two in a week, which is throwing me off slightly. Because it's like, not usual routine, not usual routine. Even though we do usually record on today, yes, the day that we, we're recording. we got a bit behind schedule-wise, didn't we? So yes. we were... Um, yeah, we, we've been having a sort of catch-up on Saturdays and Mondays, but we're back on a Friday today, our usual Amazing. recording day. yeah. We do like a routine, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we can't help it. We're creatures of habit. Hey, look, I just had an email. Steve Hogarth. What? Chapter 134, ear tunnels, tattoos and very quizzical looks. That's just, I'm a bit behind on... Um, on Corona Diaries, I do confess. So if anyone's behind on Beampon, and I know lots of you are, don't feel too bad. I'm behind on 80s podcasts. I'm behind on loads of podcasts. Mm. Sometimes it's nice, though, because you can just catch up in a whole big binge chunk. A big chungus. Yeah. Big chungus of a listening binge. Yeah. I really still haven't caught my breath. Oh, my goodness. What's going on? we started too soon. All right. Well, let's pause and then we can... Re- we should start commence. this episode with meditation. <laughs> I did meditation for. Oh, our that listeners. was really loud. Oh my god. Yeah, given given what the album is. Um. Close your eyes. Make a wish, and remember that all hypnosis is self hypnosis. God, you've done too many. <laughs> Happiness is the road. Let's crack on. Right. Um, so last week we left it at um, whatever comes before liquidity, wrapped up in time. That's it. <laughs> liquidity. The, sorry. No. Yes. No, I was going to make a completely off topic, just dumb throwaway Well, comment. that's not like you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm acting out of character today. Wasn't there a movie called Wrapped Up in Time that came out recently? I've literally no idea. Oh, no, that was a wrinkle in time. Okay, forget it. Oh, my God. Let's move on. Wrapped up in time does sound like one of those... Disney films. Well, yeah, or Lifetime Hallmark movies that you love that basically you... When do I watch them? If we're scrolling through... When do I ever watch them? If we're scrolling through for what to watch and there is 
a thumbnail of a movie or oh, a movie yeah. poster with like a man and a woman looking at each other normally in front of a sunset. I'll so get sucked go, in. No matter what it's called, they're normally called things like wrapped up in time. Yeah, I'll be like, ooh, I'd watch that. And then I never do. Ah. But um, Or when I do, I'll just fall asleep. I haven't watched a rom-com. <laughs> rom-com? I haven't watched a rom-com in years. Although I am interested in the new one with Lindsay Lohan. Lohan. I think you'll find her name's pronounced I know she pronounces it it's Lohan, but she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got sidetracked already. We'd better crack on or we won't get this podcast wrapped up in time. Oh, nice one. There? Nice. Liquidity. Yes. Little oh, song. Oh, God, I better open up my notes. It's a li- little ditty, isn't it? Yeah. This album as a whole, I think this is the point at which Mark Kelly seemed to kind of really come into his own. Yeah, he said, hold my drink, guys. And Liquidity is pretty much a, oh, whoops, sorry, a solo piece by him with some embellishments from the rest of the band. Oh, well, that would be why I wrote that there's lots of interesting keyboard in it. <laughs> yeah, but you hear it on, on, you know, on this and you know some of the sounds as well on Volume 2. And then obviously, as we know, going into... You know, sounds that can't be made and fear and and an hour before it's dark. As Mark said, he's had a lot more input into the writing, which is why when I've sort of talked about a certain quality that that came into the band when Mark Mike Hunter started Mm. producing for them, I wonder how much of that actually is Mark Kelly's influence. I wonder what changed for him around that time. Well, we've read his book. I can't remember. Creative awakening. From my vague memories of the book, it was a period of creative awakening for him where he just, like, felt inspired. I think maybe it was because he fell in love. That's what. That's how I explain it to okay. myself. It's like, he fell in love okay. uh, and it just... Uh, no, no. He but didn't? He was still with his ex with oh, his yeah. song. And I know that for a reason, because Mark got to name the song. Right. And the song was named after... Apparently they had a lot, a lot of different um, possible titles, like Ascending and Ascension, because, you know, the, it's got an ascending piano line in it. Um, but they decided that Ascension sounded a bit too much like a Yes song. Oh. Um, so Mark suggested the title Liquidity, which was inspired by one morning he came down to breakfast or whatever and his ex-partner Angie... Um, <laughs> Paul. He told her that he'd had this dream where they were kissing underwater. Kissing underwater. (laughs) Uh, And and she said to him, I had the exact same dream. No, that is freaky. And they referred to it from then on as their liquidity dream. That is freaky, which makes me wonder if they were actually like astral travelling or Mm. something. (laughs) Okay. It was them in another dimension or timeline that was doing that and the memories of it somehow seeped into this timeline. Yeah, well, uh, I'm glad they didn't call the song Liquidity Dream because uh, that would have meant something very different to teenage boys. (laughs) We've all had one of those, lads, haven't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it because it's an instrumental piece. Yeah, and it's not that long. Yeah, uh, it's another, obviously, fragment that they uh, had left over from jams and the, the writing sessions. Apparently, at one point, it was going to be on volume two. Um, and it only ended up on volume one quite late in the day, which is weird because it sounds so like it fits. It really fits. It fits perfectly. That run like of liquidity. transition. Yeah, that one of liquidity and nothing fills the hole. Mm. 
and wrapped up in time before that. I just love that as the centerpiece of the album. It, oh, and most, then how it moves into Woke Up as yeah, well. Oh, yeah. Like Woke that, up. the transition. Oh, my God. Really masterful, masterfully created yeah. and put together. Well done, Mike Hunter, who mm. was responsible for all that, really. You know, putting these bits with other bits. And I mean, yes, it's the old cut and paste thing. But it, for me, it really works on this album. But if you've ever made a collage, it does take <laughs> how, to, how to ruin. Sorry, carry, carry on. Carry on. I was going to say it does take some sort of artistic skill because you can't just stick anything anywhere and still have it look good. You do still have to think about it and... Yes. Curate it. You do still have... It, it does take... Just for the uh, listeners at home who cannot see currently what Sanya was doing, she was waving her arms around in a circular motion while she was describing the process of putting a collage together. Yeah, like the whole. You have She's to still have the whole in mind and... <laughs> and to God. And... <laughs> mm. And nothing fills the whole. Yeah. Mm-mm. So good luck to you. Oh God, oh God oh, Sanya! Awful. I think you just—that was not meant to come out sounding like I that. Think, I think you need to calm down a bit. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a little bit hot like under that. the collar this this morning. No, that was not meant to sound the way it did. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> also, I'm very hurt by that comment. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, but yeah. I, I said I really like the drums on Liquidity as well. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, uh, it, it's what they've added to it beyond yeah. that piano line. Apparently Mark worked on it for ages, this ascending piano piece. What they've done to embellish it and the fact that they've trusted themselves not to try and turn it into a song and just leave it as a piece of music, mm. I think, is is just brilliant. I yeah. love that they've done that. And I, I kind of wish... Yeah, and I'm sure I've said it before, I wish they'd do more of that because sometimes it's like the, the very, very few instrumental pieces they've done in their career. You know, I can think of this and maybe Winter Trees, which was essentially a rather solo song. They're just beautiful. Mm. Was Winter Trees, that wasn't on an actual album? No, it was though, a B-side of one of the, the Brave singles. So there hasn't been another instrumental on a main album. No, I don't. I don't think so. No, I mean, we had that. Um, well, I mean, these days they obviously break the tracks down into individual bits, and we had on an hour before it's dark that bit before um, reprogram the gene. Out of twenty albums, only two instrumental tracks. Mm. Next album, all instrumental. Yeah, well, you know, Rodder's uh, his I'd love solo to... album was uh <gasps> that was nice yeah and i'm really what the bits that he's released from his his very long awaited second album uh is uh, been gorgeous are they still instrumentals yeah yeah oh nice yeah but i should have they should have done soundtracks this band i really should have yeah all right, so let's move on to the saucily titled Never Fills Never Fills the Hole. Nothing fills the hole. Probably the most suggestive Meridian title since Warm Wet Circles. I didn't see it as suggestive at all until you've just said it now. Well, it is on an album called Her Penis is the Road, so <laughs> 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 uh... Do you wanna talk about this? Yes, I do. 
I think that's why we're here. Were you waiting for me to start? Mm, you normally start. Oh, okay. All right. So music. Yeah, I don't know if you've been on this podcast before, but normally it's Sanya's turn to start at this point. I'm new. Cut me some slack. So I know it's quite short, but musically, this is one of my absolute favorites of the whole album. And I love it so much that I've actually added it to my private playlist oh. of favorites. Um, and yeah, I love the energy in it. I love the repetitive build at the start because it's so effective, especially with the moody, ethereal electric guitar thrown in. And then... The way H's voice starts off all hazy in the background, but then is gradually brought, brought forward and it becomes kind of clearer and crisper and louder and more present is oh, just like so effective. And then I love the percussion behind H's voice as he sings the chorus. I think it, like it, the whole song has such a, like a really cool funky energy that I, okay, get ready to laugh. Here comes another analogy, but I can really imagine this song as a number in a musical, like Jesus Christ Superstar or something. <laughs> okay. I knew you were going to laugh at that. <laughs> no, I, look, I can't look. You laugh, but you know how many times we've watched Jesus Christ Superstar, the original 1970s film, by I the way, if you want to, if you want to see some, Excellent, excellent costuming and I can't scenery. think of Jesus Christ Superstar without laughing. Sorry. Oh, I just love it so no, much. No, I love it. It's, I it's, really love it. It's amazing. But, you know, I also laugh at the Bible. So <laughs> <laughs> my favourite funny book. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was just like it has that – Nothing Fills the Hole has that same kind of funky energy that would fit in a musical like that. Yeah, I'm quite surprised. I enjoy it in the same way. This. Why? Well, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I really love yeah, it. Yeah, I really, really love it. But I don't necessarily see it as a sort of complete song in its own right. It's weird, isn't it? I it's it's weird because it's like I I feel about it the same way as I felt about Lords of the Backstage, which isn't really a complete song. Mm. And both of them, I've taken as complete songs and added them to a completely separate playlist where they might not fit <laughs> without the following song well it but, was um, i just love it well it was um uh their their nickname for it or working tart was was the marvin gay song or the marvin gay oh one. that's probably why i love it yeah but there you go that explains everything what is weird for me i mean it is it's almost prog soul uh, oh yes oh please h make a prog soul album oh my he god does it that would so be well. my dream would be to have a prog soul album he does album. it so well for and if it, any and, if any of our listeners know of any prog soul artists please give up send us the recommendations because i'd love to know well because um, remember we had a letter from a listener who sorry i can't remember your name who gave us a bunch of pop prog artists Oh, Prog right. Soul is next level. Prog Soul would be my 100% perfect blend of music. Well, have you ever listened to Funkadelic? No, never heard uh, of Funkadelic. I think you might like Funkadelic. I really want H to do a Prog Soul album. Okay, just just move on and ignore me. Listen to, oh, sorry, listen to Maggot Brain on. by Funkadelic. I'm sorry? Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, they're, they're technically a funk rock band, but they're really doing some interesting slightly oh, sort of I need to write it down because I'm not going to remember that Funkadelic are great 
Great. Let me then just... 90, they had a 1970 album called Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow. Oh, I love it already. <laughs> they did epics. You know, they did long songs, 10-minute long songs. George Clinton, what are you doing? Don't put that on the podcast. Sorry. Jesus Christ, just I'm like talking. You start playing music. Just a hint. Just no, a little d- taste. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> just a little teaser. Ever do that. Just a little, little tiny teaser. As I, you weren't even listening to what I was saying anyway, were you? No. No, they do epics, funk kind of rock epics. Nice. Uh, you know, little songs, little linking bits. They're just really experimental. Yeah, I, I can't believe I've not mentioned Funkadelic to you. We should have had them on in the car on some of our long journeys. Oh, next time. Yeah. So for me, yeah, it's it's just a, a, a bizarre song in the best way because it, it, it so is clearly a, a cut and paste job. That you know, here's a little bit, the beginning, then it goes into nothing fills the hole, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> which is just pure kind of you know the su- Supremes or something like that, yeah. and then you've got that sort of slowed down out outro bit, but um, you know with the woke up lyrics yes. in there, and yet you know for a bunch of middle aged white guys. Marillion seemed to do kind of soul so well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, partly I think because it it suits H's voice. But, it, it, that, it, that's you know, true. It, it really, really does. does. It really suits his voice, you know, far more than when they try to do balls out rock. Yes. Um, that's such a good point. Yeah. Yes. 100 million percent. Yes. He has a soulful voice. He does. And and whereas sometimes with the rock songs I feel like his I don't get I don't appreciate the nuances and the the beautiful lushness of his voice as much as you can with soul music. Yeah, because I think his voice is it's just a different voice. It's like yeah. he's not Ozzy Osbourne or, you know, yeah. or, or Kurt Cobain or someone like that. So when Marillion tried to do angry rock during the H era, it really doesn't work mm. uh, for me, unless there's an element of that sort of soulfulness bedded yes. into it, which I'll come yeah. on to in a minute when we get onto some of the later songs on this. But, you know, you listen to Beyond You, beautiful, you yeah. know, which is pure Motown. You listen to, and I know it's not everyone's favourite. In fact, I believe it was Ian Mosley who said oh, it may want to throw up in a bucket, but say the word, which is which is Marillion <laughs> it doing. Really want to throw up in a bucket. Yeah, but say the word is Marillion doing Prince, yeah, and it works. It. Yeah, it does yeah. work. And then this, which is really, it's only a snippet of the Marvin Gaye bit. You know, that could have easily been expanded into a full song, and I would have been there for it. I would have been there for it, and I would have been saying, "Make it into an album." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just, I, and I say, I have to say, I see liquidity as part of this. Yes. You know, and I see this also as the intro to Woke Up. Yeah. Yeah, because um, this is where I got confused when I was trying to make, make notes originally, because on meridian.com, Woke Up starts with Woke Up. Um, but on iTunes, where I, where I was listening to... Apple Music, where I was listening to the album, mm. um, Woke Up is, the first half is put together with Nothing Fills the Hole. So it was like, oh, right. where does the song start and end? Yes. But the transition into the Woke Up part of it is just beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. It's very satisfying. Um, lyrically, do you want to... Well, I mean, yeah. again, lyrically, we sort of touched upon some of these themes last week. 
Yeah. That feeling of, well, you talk about it and then I'll... Okay. I mean, they're very honest and vulnerable lyrics. And the way he's saying, I wanted it till I got it, believed in it till I saw it. I needed it till I had it. I guess I lived to regret it. It's that mm. regret. Um, and, the, and then that, though, those first lyrics made me think that he was talking about fame and everything he's been through in the past, kind of really craving that fame and recognition and everything that it brings and everything that it means or seems to mean. And how no amount of fame and fortune or worldly success can fill a hole in your soul if you've got it. Mm. But then he goes on to say, I wanted to be free. I didn't last a week. There ain't no pleasing me. That's how it's going to be. Which made me wonder if there was like a second meaning uh, or other possible meanings, maybe more than one. One being perhaps it was referring to wanting to be free of a relationship but then finding out that single life isn't all that you'd hoped it would be and it isn't really what you wanted and then the 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 second interpretation which I don't think it is this but it's another interpretation which fits with the theme of the album was wanting to be free could be referring to um what we talked about in essence where H says every man and woman listen to me live in the moment or you'll never be free and maybe now he's realizing how challenging staying present and living in the moment really is because nothing fills the whole of your craving mind so it's like oh I wanted to be free but I didn't even last a week or I didn't even last five minutes because my mind just takes over um, so it takes a practice, it takes practice and repetition, but I don't think that's actually what the song means. I think I'm veering perhaps more to it being about relationships and possibly fame, but uh, over to you, Paul, to give us the real answer. Well, I don't have the hey, real hey, answer. Hey, sorry. Well, do you yeah. remember when you interviewed H and he was like, oh, those fools that interpret my, <laughs> try to interpret my that lyrics. Was, that was my opening gambit. That was my opening gambit. <laughs> I thought, let's just head this and off. I'm like, at the yeah, pass. I know, and I, I, whatever. Um, I, yeah, I don't have the, the the story behind it. The reason for that is because my copy of the Web Mag interview, I think, is upstairs, and I've got people to go and get it. I would have got uh, it for you. That's fine. Uh, Do you want me to go and get no, it? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But i think you're right about all those things but i don't think it, it it's necessarily about wanting fame it's just about from the point of view i think of someone who is trying everything to fill that emptiness inside them yeah i think it's you know and that not that i'm saying any of this applies to h but you know drinking drugs going out yeah, sex, whatever. Even self-help um, books. Even self-help books, yes, dear. Uh, <laughs> I've got four in <laughs> the go at the moment. <laughs> and I'm finding that none of those things fill fill that hole and stop those that that need for for whatever it is that that he's after. He thought it was freedom, you know, and yet yet when he got it, it he still wasn't happy. Yeah, because the. Because fulfilment comes from within. Exactly, and until you which feel, that's the message yeah. of the album, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but the the perspective of, of where he's coming from in this song 
you know, when he sings that ain't no pleasing me, that's how it's going to be. This is him at yeah. a point where he's going, I'm never going to fix this. Yeah. I'm never going to be satisfied. I'm never going to kind of uh, achieve peace and happiness. Yeah. And sometimes like when you accept that about yourself, that can take some of the edge off. You just go like, well, you know, you haven't got this grand expectation of yourself to feel fulfilled and satisfied and that's it. I've made it because there's always going to be some part of you that's seeking more. Yeah. Seeking something else. Do you know what? Sorry, I have to bring this in. I was watching an interview with Mila Kunis earlier and something really struck me about her. Um, she came to America when she was seven from Russia. She's actually Ukrainian or her family's Ukrainian. I didn't know that. But um, yeah, they came as refugees because they're Jewish and they were very, very poor. And the interviewer asked her, did you ever feel you were missing out? Especially like they first moved to New York and then moved to LA and he said to her, did you ever feel like you were missing out? Like you saw the other, all these other kids that had, you know, fancy shoes and clothes and toys. And she was just like, nope, my, I just, no, I'd never thought mm. of it that way. And it's weird how some people really don't. Yeah. Like they're just satisfied with what they've got or they, they I guess their brain is just focused on something else. Mm. But she said, well, those things weren't important to me. She goes, they still aren't. Yeah. You know, clothes and money and shoes and houses and whatever. Like they just, they're not anything of value to her. But then to other people they are. You know, and it's not wrong. It's not wrong to be ambitious. It's not wrong to enjoy nice clothes or houses. If that's if that's what you find makes your life more enjoyable. Mm. Maybe maybe her craving was for like never feeling like she knew enough or, you know, ideas. Some people are more have more of a, an intellectual craving. So it's like, oh, new ideas, new ideas, new possibilities. And they never feel satisfied on that side of life. So mm. it's like there's always some element in our life where we don't, where nothing feels a whole, unless we're like, like yogis or whatever that are happy to meditate well, all day. You say this, I mean, because H, from listening to his podcast and things he said on there and in interviews, he does seem to be in a place where he's settled and has found that happiness and isn't chasing something anymore. He seems to have found a contentedness. And it, it, it's where I feel I'm at in life as well. I don't have ambitions. I don't have big life goals. You know, I'm not, I'm happy to sit on the sofa with you of an evening. I'm not craving love. I'm not craving going out and partying or anything. There's, and for me, you know, we I talked about a bit of my journey last week, you know, in the last episode. And yet... Um, I sort of feel like I, I, I reached that point where I, I, I th <laughs> sorry, there's no way of saying it without it sounding a bit suggestive, but when my hole got filled, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the only real hole in my life these days is, is financial. And that's because I've had a tricky couple of years with work. Jim, literally nothing fills that up. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's a bottomless... No, in today's economic climate. Yeah, it's a bottomless pit, you know, and I know we're not alone in that. But but that's not an internal thing. That's mm. external. And that isn't... That's something that, that is outside of my control. 
And it's a weird thing to have reached that point where there's a sort of absence of absence, you know, an absence of a feeling that something is missing in my life. Mm. Um, because something was for so long. Um, and it, it did feel like an emptiness and a loneliness. And, you know, I, I didn't necessarily kind of uh, go completely off the rails, but there was a point where I did sort of feel that I wasn't fully in control and felt like a bit of a passenger in my life. And I realised that was because what I talked about last week was I was in a situation that was, for me, toxic, that I had to get out of, really, and then I couldn't fix the things that I was missing mm. until, you know, and unfortunately that toxic situation in and of itself caused a lot of damage to me as a person. You know, it ate away at me. It it shattered my self-confidence and my, you know, sense of sense of worth. And it created the whole, if I'm honest, because prior to that relationship and that damage, I didn't feel like there was something missing. You know, I didn't feel like I was chasing something. But it's interesting how when I was in that situation and in that relationship, I was very ambitious. I was very driven. Um, you know, it's just one thing. And then mm. it wasn't until I got out of it that really that all that sort of evaporated. I guess the yeah, I guess what I meant before, which I forgot to add in, was there's two ways of approaching things. So you can enjoy, like let's take food for example. You can enjoy food and love the different flavours and the tastes and love eating. Oh God, of course I choose food. I always love my food analogies. And you just enjoy it and there's nothing wrong with that. Or you can like stuff yourself because you're never satisfied. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the same with work. You can love, you can work because you love work and you find yeah, it Yeah, and I feel that I do now. I mean, yes, yeah. I'm still working because I need to earn money. Yeah. But... I'm finding particularly what I'm doing at the moment sort of more enjoyable. And also because I'm not going, well, what's this going to lead to? Is this going to push my career further? You mm. know, is this going to, you know, help me get a hit show or whatever? You know, I just want to do stuff that I enjoy. Yeah. You know, work that interests me and inspires me. Yeah. Or if you, let's bring it back to Marillion. It, let's say you can create albums and songs because you feel you've got something to prove mm. you to either your fans or the music press or whatever, and you can chase that success or you can still work just as hard, but you're creating because you find creating fulfilling and you love music mm. and you really want to express yourself in that way. Yeah. So the actions look like they're the same, like maybe you're putting in the same amount of hours of work, mm. but, one is trying to fill something within you or prove something to others. Yeah. And one is because you really love it. And I think mm. musically in this album, I mean, even before then, certainly from Marbles, they were already not trying, it seemed, I don't know, I'm not them. It seemed like they already had stopped trying to prove themselves. Well, the 90s. To the music yeah, industry. Yeah, their 90s work sometimes felt like. Yeah. yeah. Before then, sometimes it was like, you know. We've got to try and get back to the success but they of the felt, 80s. Yeah, but it also felt during those 90s albums a lot of the time that they they were caught between two stalls to please a fan base and also then try to sort of push their success And forwards. also try and please the men in suits that yeah. were kind of breathing down their necks. And certainly 
nowadays it feels like they're putting in just as much care and love mm-hmm. into the music. They're not phoning it in. Because they're doing it for you them. You know, their most recent album is absolutely brilliant. That was not just like, oh, no. we have to make an album to make some money. Like, just like, like bang something out quickly. Like, they really artistically created this album. Mm. And yet it it didn't seem to come from a place of that craving emptiness trying to fill that hole. But you see it as well in terms of where they tour and stuff. You know, playing the Albert Hall was for them. Yeah. Playing the Palladium was for them. They played venues that they didn't play before, you know, went to places they hadn't been before because they were trying something different and trying to, yeah, they seem like they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. You know, they're inviting new people to join them on tour, you know, be it um, an orchestra, be it Louis Jardim. You, you know, they're, they're doing it because for the experience now rather than a necessity. Mm. But in terms of Nothing Fills the Hole, I mean, I think it's a song as, as much about anything as it's about addiction yeah. and what fuels addiction. Yes. And it, you can be addicted to different things. You yeah. know, it's not just drink or drugs. Oh, yeah. You know, or it. And how I always remember years ago, one of our our tutors when we were doing our counselling course uh, said to us how, and I never considered it like this, how basically heroin is a massively powerful painkiller. Yeah. You know, but it it numbs emotional pain. Yes, yeah. But it will kill you in the process. Yeah. And that, you know, just says it all really. If people are, are going that route, then they have something broken inside them. They have that hole mm. that that it, it might not fill it, but it it will plaster over it or help you to ignore it. Or it, distra- it distracts straps. you from it. Yeah, and that's often what this is. It's another way of looking at it. You know, the these things that I think he's alluding to in the lyrics. I I think they're distractions from what the real problem is. Mm. And it's telling again that, that, you know, he perhaps got out of a relationship that obviously wasn't making him happy. He obviously craved some sort of singledom, but mm. then realised that whether the relationship hurt him, whether he hurt people in the relationship or whatever, he came out of that damaged and the damage carried with him. Um, you know, as he said, he, he, I didn't last a week. It, it didn't solve everything, but... Then it seems like he found this book, Power of Now, and started to put himself back together. And then it's telling that he, he, like I did with you, found a relationship that seems for him to be as fulfilling and loving and healthy. Yeah. Uh, which in of itself is that kind of rich, nurturing, enriched soil that allows a person to grow. But it's different and reach. when you come to a relationship because you don't want to be alone or because you're trying to feel something within you. Like, I don't know the reason, all the reasons. Or when you come to a relationship where you already feel happy with yourself, like you already feel whole and you meet someone else, you're not needing them to feel something in you. No. Or to prove to you that you're lovable or whatever, or you're wanted. You're there because you have love to give to them. Yeah. And you... Just love being with them. Well, when we met, and I think I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, I found it hard falling in love because I, I realised at the time I hadn't before, not properly. You know, I I genuinely, for me, love, real true love, other than the love for my children, 
that sort of romantic love, I thought was a myth. I genuinely thought it was it was like a unicorn. And because we were doing our counselling course at the time and we had to have, you know, our weekly therapy, I went and saw, you know, my therapist and I started talking about the fact that I'd fallen in love and that not only that, that I felt love in return, romantic love in return, true romantic love that I hadn't felt before. And my God, I broke down and... I was like, just, I, I didn't think it was real. I didn't think it was real. And she just looked at me with such empathy and said, it is. Um, and for me, it was a, that was an awakening moment that, that I, I thought something that didn't exist in the world, a, a kind of magic did, that it was possible to feel that for someone, but feel it in return. Mm. I don't know where I was going with that. I ha- you know, and I wasn't at the point at which you and I met completely whole and completely healthy uh i don't think and so but i had no say in the matter about falling in love with you or you falling in love with me you know we it was out of our control you know it it just happened we didn't go looking for it and i think that in itself was was part of the the surprise and the shock we didn't go looking for that. It just happened. Yeah, but I think as well, we didn't come to the relationship expecting the other person to fix us or... No. With, you know, no, it wasn't no. like... I just, like, I can only speak from my side of it. I just loved you. Yes, yeah, I wasn't, like, expecting anything from you. No, but you. that's what I was, I suppose, where I was trying to go from it, with it, was because I wasn't, didn't have that expectation, you know, and I didn't at that point. My whole thing, you know, and I didn't, at any point but my whole thing then was you know I'm strong I can I'm you know I'm unbreakable I'm unbendable you know all this sort of stuff that so I wouldn't have looked for that from you but as it turned out being in that being in that fertile soil um, was healing in and of itself because of your compassion your love and your acceptance of me you know it was rocky at points but it was nurturing and it it allowed me to grow and become the person I'd been before my previous relationship, mm. you know, return to that, but in a stronger, you know, I old, was older and all the rest of it. Um, just be the person that, that A, I wanted to be, but B, also on some level knew I was, mm. that had been just hurt and damaged. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that and that, I think prior to meeting you, I think I had started on that journey of, of my own sort of being able to love myself as well, which allowed me to be open to being able to love you and being yeah. able to receive that that's love what at I the meant. same time. Yeah, I think that's what I meant because it's like, trying to. I'm trying to kind of tie it with the song saying nothing fills the hole. Um. Me as well, by the time I met you, had reached a place where I felt I was, like, does it make sense to say worthy of yeah. love? Yeah, I because so. you can, you because can, you can then, feel unworthy of love. Yeah, can. Be- because you can, I, because I, I have did. been in an unhealthy relationship or with an unhealthy person in the past. 
And I think the choice I made to go into that relationship was because ultimately I didn't think that I was capable of having a relationship with a healthy person. An unhealthy person isn't going to reject me. No. I don't even really exist in in that relationship. Do you know what I mean? But it's safe because... You don't have to be perfect, but it was that lack of self-acceptance that led to a relationship with someone that was in an unhealthy state. Whereas by the time I met you, I didn't need a relationship. I wasn't looking for a relationship and I was happy with my, in myself. And I felt I was lovable. I didn't need someone to stay with me to prove to me that I was lovable. Do you know what I mean? So by the time we met, I was already full and I could just love you. I was with you because I loved you, Mm. not because I needed you to love me. Yeah. And I loved being with you. I mean, that sounds stalkery, but it wasn't like that. It was like, it was like, I loved you and I loved being with you. And I loved, I didn't need that, that, that to prove to me that I was lovable. I would have been happy being friends with you. Mm. And I'm only tying this to relationships because the song sounds like it has an element to it that, is about relationships. Yeah, for me it is. I mean, I wish I could reach this place of fulfilment when it does come to food, (laughs) especially chocolate. It's like, just get it away from me. That will never... The craving will never... Why are you going off on one about food again? No, because like the the craving for chocolate is never satisfied. It's horrible. I hate it. The addiction is awful. That, I can put my hand up and say like that, nothing will ever fill the hole when it comes to sugar and chocolate. Like, and I hate it because of that. Because it feels like it's got a power over me. Mm. And I don't know how to fix that. I've tried and nothing's worked. Well, I don't know. But it's part of me that as I get older, I kind of go, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) With certain things. I mean, it's not like we're doing something really bad. (laughs) You know, if you're eating food. Uh, I know it. I know you hate it. But anyway, anyway let's yeah, move sorry, on. Gone I, I think we've gone completely off topic. But I, I, my point was a relationship isn't going to fill that hole in and of itself. I think you have to have. Yeah, because then when the honeymoon period ends, are yeah. you going to go and chase another one? Yeah. Yeah. If that's what you're doing short termism for that, those 12 months where your endorphins are sort of, you know, flooding your body. I mean, that's another thing. It's that over time with you and I, that even now I kind of go, it's weird. I love you as much as I've always loved you. Yeah, same. And having I still been feel in like a, I'm in the yeah, a long-term ra- relationship that God, wasn't like that. this on the podcast? Oh, whatever we are. <laughs> oh, um, my God. Sorry, everyone. But, yeah, that and that, it's still surprising to me. Yeah. Because my, you know, I grew up, sorry that we're going off on this tangent. I don't know if it is a tangent. I think it, I think it is related to it because H had a relationship that obviously didn't make him happy and then he ended up in one that did. Yeah. And that's that's my whole thing. But also I had for me, for growing up, you know, the examples of relationships I had were all, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking my mum and dad, my grandparents, you know, my mum's parents, my sister and her husband, you know, they were all very similar in that all the men were very much under the thumb. And were sort of, uh, and apologies to all these people, but it's the case. You know, what I had modelled for me is that the, the men were sort of verbally abused and put down quite a lot and put in their place. And um, that's the kind of relationship I ended up into because I thought that was normal. 
yeah, they weren't none of those relationships that I saw as an example of what a relationship was that were around me as a kid were particularly loving. Mm. Um, you know, my parents really should have split up a long, 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 long time ago. Yeah, and then they decided like a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, in yeah, their eighties. Yeah, in their eighties. Now's like, the time. My dad decided he'd finally had enough. They didn't split up, <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, there wasn't a lot of love and. You know, and same with my grandparents. And so, so yeah, so it's sort of inevitable when you have that kind of modelled for you as as an example of what is normal, that you would end up like that, which, again, is why it was so surprising and remains surprising me to me to this day to have a relationship like I do that is so full of love still that, um, yeah, I don't know. What was I saying? But anyway, yeah, so it does feel like it... it, it it relates to this album because that is H's journey, mm. at least the relationship that wasn't making him happy for whatever reason, you know, and he mm -hmm. speaks very well of his ex on the podcast on Corona Diaries. Yeah. Yeah. And as I say, saying all this, you know, my ex, as I said last week, we get along fine. You know, we don't, yeah, there's no animosity and, you know, she helps us with my mum, you know, and goes in to see her at lunchtimes because she works nearby and you know we absolutely get on for the sake of the kids and all the rest of it but it was just the relationship for whatever reason didn't work <laughs> and we stayed together for a long time and so slowly that fact that it didn't work chipped away at me and we had a, lo a long period of um you know as they say when someone commits suicide or if they slash their wrists sorry to talk about this but but there's normally practice marks on their arm before they finally go through with it mm. and we had a lot of those practice marks on our relationship before we finally split up yeah um but I think, it was the I right think thing that's quite common yeah because like when i was doing my therapy and i was going through a breakup um i remember the therapist saying to me oh You'll probably, like, you'll, not you'll probably end up getting back together, but, like, oh, so many people just, like, have practiced breakups before they yeah, do the real thing. And I think it was her challenging me, sort of going, like, oh, you're just, you're not going to do it. And then I thought to myself, she doesn't know if I'm serious or not. <laughs> yeah, I had. <laughs> so I, had, I did it. And I sort of had that, it. but from a, a producer I work with who said, uh, you know, the one, you know, and I mentioned her, and she said to me, I think I was I think I was bigging you up one day. She said, you know, this one, the first one after you split up. Sorry, she was American. So like, Paul! Oh my god, I can't believe I did her voice. Paul. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> oh dear, Sanya's Sanya's broken. Oh my god. <laughs> As I <laughs> This is because we've totally let our guard down now. I've forgotten we're doing a podcast. Uh, as she said to me, she said, you do know, <laughs> you do know the first one after you break up. I, I can't say her words without wanting to do the voice. Uh, <laughs> she said, it won't, it, does, it never lasts. And I thought in that moment, you know, and we were still early days, but I kind of went in that moment, I think you're wrong. Yeah. I think this is, this is totally different to anything I've ever felt. Yeah. Providing I don't fuck this up, this is this is forever. Yeah. Um, anyway, God, I can't believe I did that. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. <sighs> oh my goodness. 
I can't see because my eyes are so full of laughter tears. <laughs> I can't believe I did an impression of her. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you just flowed right into it. Yep. Oh, so woke up. Get woke up, go broke up. All <laughs> oh. um, oh, right. So, okay. So this is when I said, listen to it with headphones for sure, because it's absolutely gorgeous and there's so much in there, but you might not get it on a surface level listen. I really love all the tinkling sounds and the spaciousness and the soft bass in the first part, but it's the second half of the song that I love the best, like with the electric guitar and, oh, it's just phenomenal. The energy also wakes up in the second part in the second half, which kind of fits with the theme of the song, doesn't it? Some really cool keyboards and the string sounds and the percussion. There's like a kind of um, Indian sort of mm. instrument, instrumental sound towards the end. I don't know what the instrument is called. Indian stroke Beatles-esque. Yeah, but where did the Beatles get it from? Where did we really get it from? The Beatles. Yeah, but where did the, Be- the Beatles got it from? India. And well, anyway, I really loved the addition of that. I thought it. No, I do too. I've I made a note of that as well. I thought it was fabulous. Sort of almost backwards sitari type sound, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's so much going on musically that it's a really it's a treat to listen to. Well, the intro, and I think H has has come clean about this. The woke up is Mm. a a direct lift from Kate Bush's uh how's a love album the song waking the witch oh really yeah. i think this is it a, works it works i think this is one of their most convincing pop rock songs as in there's enough of that soulfulness and poppiness in there mm. that even though it's quite sort of high energy it fits with h's voice this is how they ought to be doing it for mm. me it's, yeah. it's very reminiscent of The Who, almost shamelessly so. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but as with Essence, they've put it through a Marillion filter, so it sounds like them. Mm. It doesn't sound like a pastiche, which they may have done in the past. Oh, It's okay. just Marillion taken on an influence. Yeah, so they're like, they've really hit their stride. And I don't know if it is, if it's more they've hit their stride or if it's more Mike Hunter has hit his stride and knows how to put the song together and produce it to give it, to, to not make it sound like it's a The Who copy or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's just all six of them working together. Or maybe, together. yeah, all of all of them together. But, you know, it wouldn't be the first time Marillion have lifted from The Who. You know, they did it on Brave and... Incommunicado and so on. You know, they they like The Who enough to go, oh, this one's called The Who Song <laughs> <laughs> on their on their board of tracks. But uh, again, what I love about this song is it in context with the album. It stands alone great as its own thing. Mm-hmm. It stands alone as a great pop rock song. But within the context of the album, boom, wake up. You know, from that low of nothing fills the hole. Yeah. In, and but yeah. the way nothing fills the hole transitions into it. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> like lulls and, and then, then it, wake up. Yeah. And then the guitar kicks in. Yeah. And it, it's almost like that first sort of moment of 
realization of something, of an idea, of a thought, of a feeling. Oh yeah, when something just dawns on you before you've entirely kind of processed what that means. Mm, nice. That's how it feels. Yeah, you're right. That's a really nice way of putting it. And that I just, is exactly yeah. how it feels. So it, again, it, it in isolation, it might not be their strongest song ever. Although I do love it. And I think they, they played it when we saw them at the Meridian weekend, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. And I not listened to it before, right. so I, did, I didn't really get it. One of my highlights. I mean, I remember... Yeah, I remember you Shons saying and that. I kind of singing along to it. Yeah, going, I remember you oh. saying that. And I was like, eh, it's okay. Like, it didn't particularly stand out to me. I didn't really remember. I was like, oh, it's okay. But now, yeah. in the context as of the album... As a piece of the album, as a piece of the whole... Yes. It's so And good. also, list, if you listen to it, with headphones so you can hear all the layers, yeah. then you, it oh, really brings okay. out Lush production. the appreciation for it. And lyrically, it's, it's one of, for me, their better kind of marriages of lyric and musical content. I mm. don't know. There's just something about those lyrics with that music and the way H is his vocal melody. You know, I woke up to feel no pain and... Day from night, out of gravity and light, it's so clear. What am I doing here? I don't know, just the rhythm of those words. Yeah. Complement the music. I mean, do we need to talk about what it's about? I suppose we do a bit. Let me see what I've written. I, don't, I haven't written a, a ton. Um, well, I did write, guess it means he didn't sleep through the entire day, lol. That's a good joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, glad, glad. I that chuckled. went down like a lead balloon. Yeah, forced chuckle, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's everything that you said. I, it seems to represent a new beginning, like literally an awakening. Um, now, whether that refers to a spiritual or metaphysical reawakening or an awakening to a new perspective or the realisation of something more on a relationship level, I'm not sure. There's something in the song that harkens back to This Train Is My Life, where he's talking about being on tour and on the road and the tra and travelling at high speed through different towns and countries, waking up in a different place every day. So it's like a nice callback mm. that to This Train Is My Life. I guess it also fits in with the, that cluster of songs like The Levers and Oh no, they've got loads of songs, I suppose, that are about touring mm. and travelling. It's um, inevitable. I so, think this song, though, isn't so much about, sorry to interrupt, Yeah, the touring per se, but he lived his life on the road. So yeah, he's that's part have of his moments. life. But this is where I'm wondering whether there's also a more literal meaning to the song, because I'm wondering whether he was talking about the experience of going on tour with a loved one. Uh, it's something that they've mentioned recently about, uh, Travelling with Louis, Lu is it Louis or Lewis? Lewis, actually, I think. I, I called him Louis before, didn't I? Lewis. Yeah, Lewis. So travelling on... Lewis. <laughs> going on tour with... I missed that. Sorry, no, it doesn't matter. I was doing... I was thinking Inspector Morse. His assistant was called Lewis. Ah, oh, good to know. I hate you, Lewis. You know, I love you, Lewis. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't know if there was like a more almost literal meaning of about the experience of going on tour with a loved one or a friend and seeing everything through their eyes. So it's like you're getting, you're getting the experience 
You're seeing, you're living the experience through a fresh perspective. You're seeing your everyday life through a fresh perspective. Um, so the general vibe I'm getting seems to be that it seems like he has found something that he lost or found the help, help that he needs or found something that he was looking for. And maybe that on some level could even just be a fresh perspective on the life he's already living. Mm. I highlighted the words with angels that come when all is lost in golden light at dead of night, they take you home. Love that. And then I woke up to feel no pain day from night, anti-gravity and light. It's so clear just what I'm doing here. The blinding obvious is what you showed to me. The blinding obvious is what you showed to me. That really stood out. Yeah. And I wonder if that is, is love you know it's like obviously love is is healing yeah love is i think for me yeah <sighs> maybe he's talking about the power of now the book <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah. oh yeah that'd be a real shame if he's singing to the book <laughs> okay. i really hope this isn't a song to a book or eckhart tolle <laughs> that would be extremely creepy and weird and disappointing. Uh, no, it wouldn't. It would be cringy. Yeah, it was. Why? What's the self help equivalent of a Christian rock band? <laughs> it's like, now <laughs> just write so songs that sound like kind of heavy metal songs, but they're all about tributes to Eckhart Tolle and, and the power of. Now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, yeah, this I album. I mean, that is what. Yeah, yeah, this, this album, album is, is as close to that as as Marillion are ever going to be. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. I think there is a, a literal element to it. You know, woke up in a city full of snow, a city by the sea, city full of rain, city. But that seeing it sleep. through new eyes, do you know what I mean? Because when yeah. you're with someone who hasn't seen it before, you get to you get to live the experience well, as if it's for the first time, almost again, but through them. You talked about this when we talked about this train is my life. I don't. You don't know if it's about taking someone on tour because I don't think they generally do that. Um, exactly, but, but I think, on the occasions that it might have happened, they were rare. Okay, that's a really okay. All I don't right. know. It just seems no, like a really mundane wrong, to write it? the song about. I think it's more metaphorical than that. You can have someone in your life and still take them on tour with you, can't you? Um, you, you know, do you, remember in the song Montreal where he skypes home? Yeah. Uh, I'm behaving as I should. What? That's what he sings in the song. Oh, does he? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, we haven't got to that album yet. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I'm behaving as I should. And he bought some shoes. Uh, <laughs> Marillion's most exciting and profound lyric. Um, but... For me, yeah, I think you can just take a, take love with you, don't you? You do take love with you where, wherever you go. Mm. If you are loved and you love someone, you don't go off on tour and forget about them. Yeah, you don't leave the house and forget them. That love is carried with you. Mm. And also on top of that, again, if this is the album that is about the power now and H self-actualising, to use a slightly wanky phrase, he... Is is carrying love for himself inside oh, him. Oh, and also, actually, if it is about that, then he can be waking up in a city 
where he's been before and see it through com- a completely well, different perspective. as he says, day from night. Yeah. Anti-gravity and light. And it's just your mindset that has changed. Mm. The blinding obvious is what you showed to me. Yeah. That, that maybe that is relating to the book or maybe it's relating to a person. Yeah. But it's saying I had what was right in front of me all along, which is me. Yeah. And and being able to love yourself is so important in life. Mm. Being able to accept well, yourself. tolerate yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, do I'm I, joking. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm I, joking. Do I love myself? I mean, because that's become so, that's yeah, such Yeah, I mean, a... I never think about, oh, no. I really love myself. It's just like the not hating yourself, I, was, I um, guess. I don't really think about myself that often. I was once in a relationship with someone who uh, once told me that she fancied herself and found it weird that I didn't fancy myself. Okay, you're so freaked out. No, I didn't know I was, that. I didn't. That's I, really foreign to me. Yeah, I, uh, I, I found it a bit weird. I have to say, <laughs> I found it a bit odd. Um, was it a joke? No, because, yeah. She just assumed that, oh, well, you know, people, you do, don't you? I was like, what? Um, <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. It's like, I mean, I, I don't even think about, like, I just, that does not cross my mind. No, I found it a bit odd. But, I mean, if you do, yeah, that's all right. You can. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Anyway, the phrase of, the, yeah, that phrase of, oh, he loves himself. Or, you know, she loves herself or whatever. Yeah, that, that is, always seems to come across as insecurity it, it, to me. No, I know. Like someone that is always having to talk about how good they okay, are. Okay, wait, wait. That's not what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, you know, people will say that in a disparaging way about someone. Yes, possibly because of it's in, they're in, actually insecure. But, yeah. But actually being able to... Yeah, you know, what is love other than a kind of self empathy and acceptance and or you care? Know, or you care. know, you take care of yeah. yourself. Love you is another word of... for those things. Yeah, and having being able to have that for yourself is so important. Yeah, yeah, care, you should... or caring for your own well being. Yeah, yeah, treat yourself like a baby, like you would a child. Change your own nappy. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I wipe my own bum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good at it. I've got very good at it. Over the years, I come out and I go, nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Where was I going with that? Oh, just the phrase of like, love yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's, it's, it's important. It's, that's really important. That that you are. I'm going to change it to care about your own well being. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 Uh, but learning that is, and yet we're sort of discouraged from doing so. Don't get too up yourself. Mm. Don't put your needs first, which is another important thing in life, I think. It's an old cliche, but the whole, make sure you're wearing your oxygen mask before helping someone else. That analogy. It's so true, because if you're not, and this is why, you know, so much... (sighs) When you see, I've got to really watch what I say here, but sometimes you see people who are considered very caring for others and very um, 
charitable or, or, or would do anything for anyone else. And I do sometimes look kind of sideways at those people and go, well, what are they compensating for? What aren't they addressing in themselves? You know, they're, they're turning their love outwards. Well, what? And you often see it sometimes with it backfires on people that they will. <laughs> There's, there's one person in the public eye who I'm not going to mention, but uh, someone who did a lot of work for young people. Um, and suffice to say, you know, she was uh, fated and kind of, you know, given awards and, you know, politicians would hang out with her. And then as it turned out, her own house, in quotes, was not in order. And then, it, you know, and a lot of the time these people don't seem to be doing it for entirely selfless reasons sometimes it's for to be in the spotlight or to be seen as a caring person or to be famous frankly to further their own self-interests and so i do sometimes well how the hell did i get onto that <laughs> we're talking about self-love <laughs> yeah now i'm just having a pop at charity work let's move on <laughs> I dig a bigger hole for myself. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 Look, we seem to be going through this album a couple of songs. At oh the my time. god, what's going on? Because we're us? getting sidetracked with all this. Yeah. Meaty talk. Yeah. Sorry to mention food again. <laughs> we should do a food podcast. Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. You zoned I'm still, out then. Yeah, I was zoned up because I'm still thinking about the self love thing. Because I read this book, like, it was the first book, the self help book I ever read. And it was called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And I was like 15 at the time. Loved it. Great book. Really, really, really helped me as a teenager. And in it, she had this exercise where she wanted you to every day look in the mirror and say, I love you to yourself. Mm. And it's okay. Like a lot of people really struggle with it. Like really, yeah, really, really. Yeah, but that's the thing that I was it. talking about. It, it's people are taught you're not meant to do that. Yeah, but I like I don't know if there's something wrong with me. Like I did it, but I didn't feel anything. Like it's like what am I meant to do? Feel love for my, like I was just like yeah, I love you. But it's only just dawned on me now. If I'd have just cha- if I'd have just changed the words to I care about your well being, it mm. might have been more effective to me because yeah. it like it just made no sense to me logically to be going like oh i love you it's like what why am i saying this like that's it makes it is weird isn't it, it? it's that you like love yourself but it's it i don't think about that myself in that way mm. like oh i love you oh my god like what does that even mean acceptance it makes no acceptance sense is important or so kind of i accept you yourself. is different i accept so i stopped saying well, I didn't really, I, I tried it a couple of times and it's like, this makes, I see no reason to do this. This makes no sense to me. But then she said, I love and accept you exactly as you are. Um, and that was more helpful because it's like, I accept you. That made more of a difference. You don't have to be perfect. You're good enough as you are. Sure, you can improve in other ways, mm. but um, yeah. But just thinking, if I'd have said to myself, I care about your well-being, I think that would have made a massive, massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. 
Maybe anyway, even now, who knows? I've no idea if this episode hangs together. It's been I don't either. All over it makes place. no sense. I've had a massive headache the whole time. Oh, what? So I don't think. What did you say? <laughs> what did you say? I, I, I didn't say anything. No, come on. No, I was just clearing my throat. No, tell me what you said. No, no. you can hear it back when the podcast goes <laughs> out. We say, what a whinger. Is that what you said? <laughs> no. Look, I waited all this time to whinge, which you know is very difficult for, for me. But yeah, so I, I, find it, I found it a bit difficult to have clear thoughts yeah me too um but um mm. yeah let's hope it made sense it is what it is but, does it, <laughs> but does, if it didn't sorry that's an hour you're never getting back yeah but there'll be another podcast along next week and we'll try to do better <laughs> we'll do our we'll best try. So anyway we've got, what have we got next week uh we've got state Trap of mind the spark state of mind happiness is the road and half full jam yeah which Half Full Jam isn't really officially part of the album. It, what's it called? On the album, it's called Secret Track. Is it? Or on Marillion.com, I think they call it. Is it Secret Track? I don't know. Secret. You seem to know more about it than me. Right. Uh, talking of secrets, we have a secret Patreon. Which, <laughs> um, if you'd like to support this podcast and show your appreciation for everything we do and the raw and painful bloodletting we do every episode. <laughs> uh, you can sign up at www.patreon.com slash MrBiffo. We do regular-ish bonus episodes. We get episodes to our patrons early. I think there are 30-odd bonus eps on there now that you can go back and listen to. And there's other stuff as well, which is mostly just like me dressing up as funny characters and being weird. You can ignore all that. Uh, subscribe, leave a review, tell people about us, tell, tell them how much they're enjoying these episodes. And if you like, we're probably going to do a Happiness is the Road Volume 1 post bag. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be tricky. Do people write about the album as a whole? Uh, volume 1 as a whole? Well, both albums. Oh. Ooh. That might. Mm, what yeah. do you do? We don't want to. Pre- if, you, if you want to write in just about Volume 1 for now. Yeah. Because we'll hold off discussing the album in its entirety until after and, we've done volume two. Yes. But if you've got anything you want to say about volume one, whether it helped you, Power of Now, any of that. Oh, yeah, or about the Power of Now, if you've read it or listened to yeah. it. Yeah. Then you can email us, beampod at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. I heard um, Eckhart Tolle's second book, A New Earth, is meant to be better than A Power of Now. Is par- it? Apparently, yeah. It doesn't... Uh, repeat itself endlessly and just waffle on I haven't read it 300 so. 400 pages like Power of Now does no Power of Now is actually a really good book it's very short is it yeah shorter than you'd expect wow it didn't feel like it when I read the first 30 pages <laughs> <laughs> right uh, enough of dissing H's favourite book we'll be back next week uh, see you soon bye bye <laughs>